Please join me in our responsive reading on this Palm Sunday as we prepare to uh, celebrate the coming of Christ into Jerusalem, and then our children will process with the palm branches. How do we know you, Lord? We know you are like a hen who gathers her chicks under her wing. We know you because you, we have friends and family who are with us when we feel like waving palms, as well as in times of deep sadness when loss seems overwhelming. Now we see you entering the holy city, being worshipped as a king. We find ourselves in the crowd asking, Who is this before whom we sing glory and laud and honor? Who is this before whom we wave our palm branches in worship? Who is this whose name brings salvation wherever it is preached? Christ our Savior who lifts our hearts in praise. Hosanna, blessed are you who comes in the name of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Happy first day of spring to you, and happy Palm Sunday. Look at all of these beautiful children. Look at this. They take up a whole row. That's great. And thank you for for, uh, doing the the procession of the palms there. We uh, really appreciate that. You did a great job. We're glad that everybody's here today, and we welcome everyone. Uh, It's good to share this time of celebration especially as we are entering into Holy Week uh, this week as we uh, prepare ourselves for Easter next Sunday. We welcome everyone today, and especially our guests. We're glad that you're here and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets this morning, and we'd like to ask if you would to take those and fill them out for us. We would certainly appreciate that. Uh, Also, let me remind everybody that we are continuing our Lenten lunch series during this week, but it's a little bit different since this is Holy Week. We will not be having a service on Wednesday like we have uh, uh, through the rest of Lent up until this point. 
Uh, but on Thursday, we will be having a Monday Thursday service that will be at Zion uh, United Church of Christ. Uh, and if you don't know where that is, it's right behind Hardy's. Uh, and uh, so if you'd like to go there on on uh, Thursday for lunch, we would be glad to uh, have you there, and this would be a great service. And then on Good Friday, there's a Good Friday service at Holy Name Catholic Church, and uh, then the Easter sunrise service is at uh, Methodist Hospital in their prayer garden on Sunday morning. I think it's 6.30 on Sunday morning. Uh, also, uh, we have a uh, Tenebrae service. We are joining up again with Zion United Church of Christ and with First Christian Church for a Tenebrae service, and this will be on Good Friday, this coming Friday. Uh, that will begin at 6.30 in the evening. Tenebrae is Latin for shadows or darkness, and this is a time, it's a very somber service. Uh, this is a time when we recognize the crucifixion of Christ and, uh, and the pain and the suffering that Christ went through during that time. Uh, so come and be a part of that. That's uh, uh, Friday evening at 6.30. Also, if you would uh, remember to sign up for our Extreme Build, there's a sign-up sheet on the table. Uh, that's coming up June the 12th through the 18th. We'll be meeting a group of volunteers in uh, McCreary County again. And in one week's period of time, we will build a house. It's pretty amazing to watch this happen, and we invite you to come and be a part of this, this great mission event. It's good to share this time of, of, uh, of mission and ministry with you, and it's good to share this time of, of uh, worship and celebration with you. There's much joy and celebration in the air today. So let me invite you now to show that joy to one another, share that joy with one another as we, we greet each other in the name of the Lord. Let's stand and greet each other.
please be seated. Please pray with me. Oh God, on this holy day of Palm Sunday, we have so many mixed emotions inside of us. We remember your son's triumphant entry into Jerusalem with the people shouting praises and waving palm branches. And we join them with, their, with our own praises today. And yet we also remember that this wonderful parade for your son becomes another kind of parade. A parade before government officials and booing crowds. And instead of the crowd singing their his praises, they are shouting for him to be crucified. Our hearts are broken by those shouts. And our hearts are broken by the pain and the suffering that he bore on that day. And yet we know that it is because of his choosing to enter Jerusalem and taking the path that he knew he was taking, that there is hope and grace and love and salvation for all. And there are still many in need of hope in our world today. And there are still many in need of grace in our world today. And there are still many in need of love in our world today. And there are still many in need of salvation in our world. So Lord, enter our lives, our churches, our cities, our countries once again. Heal us. Transform us, renew us, draw us closer to you as we journey with you through this holy week. Empower us with strength and courage and with the assurance that you are with us now and always. Amen.
Our scripture today is Luke chapter 19, verse 28 through 40. After he had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethphage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a coat that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Just say this, The Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the coat, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the coat? They said, The Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the coat, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. This is the word of the Lord. Can you hear me? Okay. Okay, so I was kind of thinking this morning, um, since this is Holy Week, you guys heard Pastor Tim talk about that, right? It's Holy Week. Um, It's also kind of the first day of spring today, right? So there's a whole lot going on this week. So I was kind of thinking together we could kind of break it down, what all this means, right? Do you guys like history? I like history. I think it's fun. Well, I was hoping you guys could kind of put some of these pieces together with me. We could talk about it. All right. So, first of all, what is today? Sunday. Yeah, it's true. But what's the holiday? Palm Sunday, right? Right? Do you guys remember... um, when you marched up here with the palms, do you guys do you guys kind of know what that represents? What that represents? What that means? Anybody? There are no wrong answers in this place. I promise, no wrong answers. Worshiping God. Yep, that's that's right. It's a form of worshiping, right? When so okay. Let's start out Holy Week, right? So what's going on? What's Jesus doing? He's going to... It starts, the city starts with a J. Yeah! Say it loud. Say it clear. Jerusalem. Okay, cool. So what's he riding on? A donkey. So you guys know this. So when he's riding on this donkey, what's everybody else doing? Are they like 
Do they have their palm like down like this? Are they like, ah, oh, Jesus, ew. Are they like that? No. Yeah, what are they doing? Yeah. So they're, what are they doing with these palms? Right. So that's how Holy Week starts. Right? Do we kind of know what happens to Jesus, though, before Holy Week ends? Do we, do we know? When Jesus was crucified? Because somebody want to tell me about that. Yeah? You know. Ching. Okay, so that Holy Week ends when Jesus dies on the cross, right? Does anybody know why Jesus died on the cross? Zoe! What? For us to live forever, right? Isn't that cool? We all get to live forever with God. Like, this doesn't end in this, in this body that we have. Right? In this life. There's no end. And Jesus did that for us, right? Okay, so that's why I brought this out for us. What is this? Right? Who wore this when they were being crucified? Right? So, it was, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it was a whole lot of pain, a lot of suffering, um, suffering that we probably can't even imagine, right? You guys know that it, was, it took a long time for Jesus to die there. And we're not going to talk a whole lot about it because I think maybe you're too young to hear that, but it was a lot of pain. So, let's think about that. And I was also thinking that, you know, we could put the pieces together for why you see all these, what are these? It's the rain. What do you do with them? Put candy in them? Yeah. You put treats in them. We can, um, you can like hide them, right? And find them. Can you, do you guys kind of know what, what an egg is, like what does an egg really mean? Like what's it stand for? Anybody? Right, but do you guys know this too? Um, what what eggs kind of represent is new life, right? Do you guys know that? I googled it earlier. Like when when, when did they start using Easter eggs, right? Like what's the deal? So here, what, what we got going on? We got all these eggs going on, right? So you guys can kind of think about it when you see all these Easter eggs floating around, and you're like, yes. Uh, not here. <laughs> But you may have one at your house or something, and we can color some next week if you want to. So, yeah, the, so this egg, we got to remember, it means new life. So, right, by Jesus dying, we get a new life, right? We get a new chance. Okay, so the bunny, too, just a sign of spring, new life, cuteness, right? New things. Things are blooming. Well, it's kind of cold right now, but it's going to start feeling like spring soon, right? Okay, so I was kind of thinking, you know, with this week, as Christians, it's going to be really awesome for us because we have a lot to think about. We can, now we can see all these signs. We can see all these beautiful things. And remember, even though it's kind of sad that Jesus died, right? The way that he died, it's sad, right? But we can also be happy and be thankful that somebody loved us enough to die like that for us, right? And we get to live forever with God. That's pretty awesome. We all get to call Jesus a friend. Isn't that cool? Awesome. So I was kind of thinking today that instead of me praying out loud, we could 
all take some time individually and take a moment of silence just to remember what Jesus did for us and to thank him for being our Savior. All right?
Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we take a moment to remember what You did in our behalf, help us not to take it lightly, but help it absorb it deep into our hearts. And may we walk the steps that You walked. May we share the love that You share. May we remember the times where we were in a dark place and where You came and touched our lives. May we share that that love. Make us a blessing. I ask that You bless this offering now for Your kingdom. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.
Isn't that great? Beautiful. Okay, I'm going to ask you to show your age a little bit this morning. Does anybody here remember when pet rocks became a big fad in this country? Yeah, I I see those hands, and I know how old you are. It was April of 1975 when Gary Dahl was in a bar, and he was listening to his friends complain about their pets. They pee on the carpet. They chew on the furniture. They bark at the neighbors. And so this gave him the idea for the perfect pet. A rock. I mean, think about it. A rock would never have to be fed. It would never have to be walked or bathed or groomed. And furthermore, a rock would never die and, or get sick or be disobedient. It would be the perfect pet, right? But Dahl took this idea further than simply joking about it with a few of his drinking buddies. You see, he actually began to sell these ordinary gray stones bought at a builder's supply store as pet rocks. They were marketed with like live pets in, in cardboard boxes. There, there it is up there. It's in a cardboard box complete with air holes so that the rocks could breathe. And he also drafted an instruction manual for the, his pet rocks with, full of puns and gags and tricks that your rocks could do, like sit or lie down. And if you started on an incline, it could even roll over. The rest, as they say, is history. Only in America, I suppose, could a gag like Pet Rocks could become a business success. The fad lasted about six months, And Dahl sold over one and a half million pet rocks. And he became a millionaire. And by the way, I understand you can still buy a pet rock today on Amazon.com. What a great country we live in. Well, I thought about pet rocks when I read our lesson for today. And I'll get back to that momentarily. But for now, it has been said that true Christianity is a radical experiment that has only been tried once by St. Francis of Assisi, who gave up everything that he had, all of his wealth, because of his love for Christ. In one St. Francis story, Francis was on a pilgrimage, and he was singing. So someone asked him where he was going, and he said, I'm going to God. So they asked him where he was coming from, and he said, I'm coming from God. So they asked him, why are you singing? And he said, I sing to keep from losing my way. Well, Pastor Michael Powell says that that is my image of Jesus as he enters the city of Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. His image is that the sun is out, the birds are singing, the dogs are barking, the children are laughing. It's a beautiful day for a parade and Jesus is happy. He knows where he's coming from. He knows where he's headed. His eyes are fixed on God and there's a song in his heart. Well, that's a heartwarming thought, isn't it? And it's true that Jesus does know where he's coming from and he does know where he's going 
But he also knows that there's going to be a lot of pain in between. My friends, Palm Sunday is Jesus' coming out party. This is where Jesus presents himself to the world as the Messiah. You know, every once in a while, we have the opportunity to present ourselves to others, whether it's through a, a casual introduction or a job interview or a speaking engagement or even a first date. And sometimes those presentations go well. Sometimes they don't. I got a text from a friend just yesterday who said that he had a, a dinner date with a young woman, and then he, the second text came and said there won't be a second date. <laughs> I don't know exactly what happened, but something happened where the first impression was not good. And, and, and sometimes that happens to us. We try to present ourselves well. We try to present a certain image, and it just doesn't come across. Like in a job interview. On one occasion, there was a young man who tried to make an impression on a, a, a potential employer, and it just didn't work out too well. So let's, let's look at this. You got the video back there that we can see? This is me talking to La Policia. This girl totally sweating me. And uh, I don't even remember taking this one. You realize this is a job interview. I know. I wanted to show you how proficient I am in social media. We'll be in touch. Excuse me. Hello. Hi, I'm just following up on the interview. Impatient. Dim and impatient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not exactly a good first impression there, was it? And, and the fact is that Sometimes we try to present ourselves to others and, and, and things go well. Sometimes they don't. Nevertheless, it's usually important for us to make a good impression. And, and they say it's never too late to make a good first impression. And how sweet it is when our efforts are met with success, when we feel appreciated, when we feel applauded. Well, Jesus is about to present himself to the people of Jerusalem. And his goal here is to present himself as the Messiah. I mean, think about it. Up until now, Jesus has been reluctant to make his mission official. Think about all of the times that Jesus has said to people, don't tell anyone what I've done for you. Don't tell anyone who I am. But now... The time, his time, God's time has come. And the, the, the time of preparation is over. And now the time of presentation has arrived. Jerusalem will be Jesus' big reveal. Now, if you're not familiar with that term, big reveal or reveal, it's a plot device in, in telling stories that refers to that moment when a previously hidden key element is exposed to the audience and you have that that aha moment that eureka moment when you say so this is where everything is headed it suddenly becomes clear to you well palm sunday is jesus's big reveal 
Jesus is headed to Jerusalem. He's, he's come up from Jericho, and as he approaches Bethphage and, and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sends two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt, a donkey colt, tied there, which has never been ridden on. And he said, Untie it and bring it to me. And if anyone asks, Why are you untying it? Just say, The Lord needs it. Jesus was clearly fulfilling Zechariah's prophecy that the Messiah would ride a donkey. But what's the significance of that? What's the significance of the Messiah riding a donkey? Well, here it is. All of Israel was waiting for a Messiah who would be uh, a political revolutionary. They were waiting for a political revolutionary. That's a term that's being bantied about. A lot these days on both sides of the political spectrum. And I wonder if we're not waiting for a Messiah to swoop in and to set everything right in our nation just like Israel did. But they expected the Messiah to come riding in not on a donkey but on a stallion. They expected him to come come in with his, his sword drawn, prepared to overthrow the Roman government. And they... And maybe we have somehow missed Zechariah's prophecy that the Messiah would present himself riding on a donkey. You see, in the days of Zechariah, when a king came into town riding a stallion, he was announcing his intention to to declare war on his enemies. But when the king came to town riding on on a donkey, he was announcing his intention to make peace. And so when Jesus entered into, into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, he was announcing that he had come to usher in a kingdom of peace. Riding on a donkey was a prophetic declaration of his purpose for coming, his mission. And not just for the Jews, but for all of humanity. He came in peace. He came for peace. And he came to bring peace A peace that without Christ the world could never know. Jesus had prepared all of his life for this one moment. It was a divine appointment. So much so that even the owner of the donkey responded agreeably when they were simply told, the Lord needs it. Apparently the Spirit of God went ahead of the disciples and prepared the hearts of the owner of this donkey. And there's good news in that as well. For you see, when God has a plan, when God has a purpose, nothing can ultimately stand in God's way. If God says that God's kingdom is coming, then it's time for us to to join the preparation committee because it's coming. E. Stanley Jones once told about a young man who was arrested for preaching the kingdom of God and he defended himself by declaring that he was only preaching what Jesus had preached long ago. But the prosecutor refuted that argument saying, but the kingdom of God has not come yet. And the young man replied, it has for me. And that's the way it ought to be. The kingdom with its message of hope is is at hand. For everyone who will believe, it's there for all of us.
The Lord has need of it. That's all it took, and the disciples threw their cloaks on the donkey, making a saddle for Jesus to ride into Jerusalem to begin this process of ushering in his kingdom of peace. And so Jesus rode down the west side of the Mount of Olives towards the city, and he was indeed welcomed by the crowd as their Messiah. They threw their cloaks on the road, forming a kind of royal carpet as a way of showing their respect. The whole crowd began to praise God for all of the miracles that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in in the highest. They were making quite a scene here, welcoming Jesus as their Messiah. And not everybody liked this. For the Pharisees, this was troubling to them. And they told Jesus to rebuke his followers. Tell them to be quiet. You're going to cause trouble with the Romans here. And Jesus' response was that if they keep quiet, the very stones themselves will cry out. Imagine that. The rocks themselves crying out. I told you I'd come back to the pet rocks. If the crowds kept silent, all the pet rocks would be crying out, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus was saying to them, Nothing, nothing can stop this movement. If the crowds were silenced, then even the inanimate objects would be raised uh, would be raised up to testify that Jesus is the Messiah. All of history was preparing for this one event when Jesus would be, de- be declared as king. And Luke clearly point, uh, paints the picture that this was something that was orchestrated by God. We're taken on a journey to help us understand that nothing can prevent what God has set in motion. Later on in Revelation 6-2, Jesus will be presented as one riding on a horse, and that's when the kingdom of God will come in its fullness, a kingdom of peace and love, a kingdom where we are told every tear will be wiped away and every wrong will be set right. And that kingdom is particularly good for those who are oppressed and those who suffer. That's what the book of Revelation is all about. Some people ask me, what what does that mean? What does that book mean? And I can kind of sum it up in one or two sentences. And here it is. Life is hard. Hang in there. It'll get better. Steve Bauman tells a story that I think reflects that kind of kingdom He tells about his congregation in New Jersey, which in his words began to find its power as a congregation when it threw its doors open to the poor and the homeless. And he mentioned one man in particular. His name was Edgar, who lived alone in a welfare motel better known for its drug addicts and prostitutes than it was for the righteous. But for some some reason, Edgar adopted Bauman's church And it was not always a perfect match. And that's an understatement. 
You see, Edgar was rough around the edges, and at times he would get loud and demanding, and he was even known to interrupt the sermon from time to time if he didn't agree with it, something that the preacher was saying. Thank you for not doing that. Yet. (laughs) And Bauman says that if the truth be told, his heart sank on Palm Sunday when Edgar was waiting for him in the sanctuary after a full day of pastoral responsibilities. And the reason his heart sank is because he knew that Edgar wanted something, a ride or perhaps some of his time, and Edgar would be complaining the whole time because that's what Edgar did. And Bauman just wanted to go home. He was tired. But by the grace of God, he did not get that opportunity. You see, Edgar wanted to ride back to his motel. And on the drive back to the motel, Edgar talked his ear off, complaining the whole way. And then they pulled into the parking lot of this run-down motor inn near a bridge, right beside the bridge. And in that most dismal setting, the most wonderful thing happened. You see, a door opened and an elderly woman came out of her room. She knocked on another door, and another elderly woman came out, and they limped towards Bauman's car, and then they were joined by others who had been waiting on the edge of the parking lot. And then for the first time, Bauman noticed that Edgar had some of the palm branches from that morning's church service in his hands. You see, he had promised the folks back at the motel that he would bring them some palm branches, and he was delivering on that promise. So there, in this dismal location, there were mothers with their children, drug addicts, prostitutes, mentally ill. And as they surrounded his car, Bauman thought about what Jesus had said. Truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes will enter the kingdom of God ahead of you, for they believed. As Edgar thrust the palm branches into his pastor's hands, he said, get out of the car. And then as they stood in the parking lot, Edgar said, give them the branches. So Bauman distributed the branches among those who were waiting, and Edgar demanded, bless them. And so Bauman blessed the palm branches, and then Edgar placed, he literally took, Bauman's hands and placed Bauman's hands on each forehead and pronounced a benediction. And you know, in my opinion, that is a beautiful picture of Christ's coming kingdom. That's what it's all about. And here is what Palm Sunday says to each of us today. No one will be left out of God's kingdom. Nobody. It doesn't matter what challenges you have faced in your life. God is saying to us, look, see your king. He's riding a donkey for God's sake. He's one of you. Thank God for that. 
The Messiah is riding on a donkey, which means that he comes with peace and humility. But here's what's even more beautiful. Because you see, in Revelation 7, verses 9 through 12, it, we, we see a mention of palm branches once again. And it's definitely about Edgar and his crew, and also about you and me. And here's what it says. He says, after this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation and every tribe, every people and every language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Picture this, folks. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits upon the throne. And to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell down on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Maybe Jesus was singing as he entered Jerusalem that day. He could see what lay ahead of him. Yes, the cross in just a week's time. Less than a week. But he also could see that beyond the cross there would be resurrection. And beyond his resurrection there would be his ascension to be with his Father. And then there would be Pentecost when the church would be empowered to carry out God's ministry. And then we would come to today, March the 20th, 2016, when we will gather in worship and sing his praise. And then all the way to the end of time when all of the saints of God throughout all of history will be gathered around the throne of God to sing God's praises forever. And yes, if there are any pet rocks that happen to be there, I'm sure they also will be singing. Because Jesus said on that first Palm Sunday, if they keep quiet, the very stones themselves will cry out. This is of God, he was saying. And nobody can stop it. And I, for one, am glad that all of us have joined the preparation committee for God's coming kingdom. So the challenge for us today is this. Be faithful to your work. Be faithful of your work of preparing for the kingdom. And let us give praise to our king forever. Amen. Speaking of giving praise to our King forever, let us stand and sing our closing hymn, Crown Him with Many Crowns. Let's sing all four verses.
know the love of God because Christ laid down his life for us. So go forth as Christ's followers, walking in his steps, loving in deed and in truth, and the peace of God will go with you. Amen.